Konnichiwa, my friends, and welcome to FixItNow.com Appliance Repair Radio. I'm your host, Samurai Appliance Repairman, the fermented Grand Master of Appliantology, along with my gracious and lovely co-host, Mrs. Samurai. How you doing, Miss Samurai? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Looking good this morning. Oh, you're so sweet. I really am. So, you're listening to the third episode, and thanks for downloading this podcast. You can find all of our archives, our massive storage of archives, at podcast.fixitnow.com. And what's our main website? Our main website is <clears throat> fixitnow.com. www.fixitnow.com. And this, we got a big show for you today. Got some big news, big industry news to tell you about on a uh, GE recall. Uh, we're going to be talking about some appliance tips that uh, you, the consumer, can use effectively on your dryer. And we've also got some listener emails. But first, a word from our sponsor. Fixitnow.com. Samurai Appliance Repairman. Very, very good. Appliance broke? Fix it yourself. Save big bucks. Fixitnow.com. Appliance Repairman. Help thousands of people fix their own appliance. He can help you too. Uh, Fixitnow.com. All right. Man, that's a great ad. i gotta, I got to get someone to make me an ad like that. Yeah, we'll get right on it. Oh, wait. That is our ad. Okay, on to the big news. Massive recall of GE professional gas ranges. This was brought up to my attention first by, in the forum, first by Peggy, um, and somehow I had missed that. And Dan411, another one of the master, fine master paleontologists at the forum, brought this up again, did a very nice write-up on it and posted it, and you can go directly to our forum by going to applianceguru, all one word, dot com, applianceguru.com. That's our repair forum there. Tons of free help. And uh, anyway, Peggy and Dan had brought this to my attention, this recall of GE ranges, right on the heels of GE's settlement with refrigerator owners over their sweaty refrigerators, which Ew. we talked about in, that's was that the last episode? That was or? the last episode. Wow. And now GE's recalling 6,000 pro-style gas ranges because they can spontaneously combust. <laughs> In fact, we're, we're never going to run out of things to talk about as long as GE keeps making appliances. Thank you, GE, for all of the fodder and material that you provide for our podcasts. So have any actually, I mean, is this a risk or that this is happening? Oh, this is, this is a reality. This is way more than a risk. In fact, six of these have already blown up. <clears throat> and not only that, they blowed up real good. Were people injured? Or no, they, nobody was injured. Fortunately, no one was injured. Um, and it appears that it's a, the flaw results from worn insulation on the electrical connections, which can cause spontaneous sparking to the supply tubes, igniting the gas. And as I say, six of these fires have already uh, occurred, though no one's been injured. The affected ranges were sold from February 2004 to November 2005 in various places, you know, home builders, contractors, appliance stores, and they go for it. And these aren't cheap appliances. This is their pro-style range, stainless steel, lots of fancy. I've worked on a number of these, and they're just like any other GE range except with lots of stainless steel on them. And um, how much do you pay for they, that? They go. These appliances, these ranges, sell for between $4,000 and $6,000. Now, can you imagine how um, miffed someone might be. It's not that it just breaks down and needs no. repair. It blows up. It blows up and burns your whole house down. 
Yeah. So, and <clears throat> anyway. Well, we'll get into appliance brands later, but it, it's kind of crazy to spend that much on any appliance. That's we'll right. We'll talk more about that later. We will. Uh, in fact, our listener email, we've got one from Rob who's asking about appliance brands, and uh, we're going to be talking more about that in depth. A little more information on the, this uh, GE um, recall. Um, the repair work that's required typically involves bundling and relocating the wires and the thermostat control away from the gas supply tubes. GE spokesman Kim Freeman says owners can continue to cook with the following caveats. Owners should not use the griddle on the 36 and 48 inch models, nor the left front burner on the 48 inch <laughs> models. And don't stand on your left leg while cooking because that has been found to cause spontaneous ignition. No, I'm just kidding about that. But there have also been a few reports of premature failure of the thermostat control due to heat buildup in the control panel. Although that's not covered in the recall. Um, though I think it should be. Yeah. But you know, they're, they're going to splice hairs and, oh, and, yeah. and uh, get away with the minimum amount that they can do. Owners of the above-mentioned ranges, and oh, there's a whole list of model numbers here that I'll have posted at the website, podcast.fixitnow.com. It'll be um, in the write-up for this episode. I'll have the list of model numbers that are affected by this recall, and um, but they all start with ZDP, and then it's either 48 or 36. And um, then there's a, a range of serial numbers that are affected as well. I'll post that. Um, and so if you own one of these ranges, call. 1-866-696-7583 to arrange for free in-home repair. Again, that number is 866-696-7583. So there you are. GE, once again, builds a range that's not only faulty, but capable of blowing up you and your house. Well, adds a little excitement to the cooking. You know, that gets kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, know. why cook just something in a pot and pan when you can cook your whole house? I think that, you know, bringing well, good things to life. Living on the edge. That's, that's it. Yep. So anyway, that's the big news, the big recall. And uh, in lighter news, lighter appliance news, the first U.S. oven volume measurement standard has gained ANSI approval. Wow. We've all been waiting for this. It, it, I know I have been. And what does ANSI stand for? Um, Not ANSI as in A-N-T-S-Y, <laughs> but A-N-S-I. It's the American National Standards Institute. They've uh, finally, after a long awaiting this period, we've, uh, we've, they've come out with a way to determining the volume of an oven. So we were all very excited about that. I, I hear that there was quite some heated debate it actually came to fisticuffs. It, it now, did. That's not a word I get to use. No, very and often, that's a cool word too, by the way. So, we're all glad this has been settled. That's finally settled. And then Home Depot, their net has risen 23% on appliance sales. Sales. So appliances are doing good. The whole industry outlook as a whole is expected to uh, solid expansion. Economic forces affecting the appliance industry should remain positive this year, according to. One of the bureaucrats, uh, one of the agencies in the U.S. government. So, so appliance sales are looking good, and I guess that ties right in with the whole economy. is uh, pretty solid right well, now. Well, building's been up, although that's starting to slow. Starting so. to slow, yeah. That's and that's uh, that will that'll have a somewhat of a delayed effect, but that will um, that does affect right right hand in hand with the appliance repair or appliance sales. Be interesting to see a breakdown. You know, where are the sales happening? You know, high end versus. Lower end. That would be interesting. I think that information is available. I used to get that in um, 
one of the magazines online, maybe appliance design, um, but one of the magazines online lists that a very detailed table. Yeah. So it, it seems like from where our point of view, and then maybe I'm sure it varies by region, that we're seeing more and more people with higher end, you know, the Fisher Pikels and those things. We're getting more calls for that. Well, yeah, definitely in this area. I'm not sure how that would play out in all areas, though, because um, they do cost more. And so it's all going to depend on people's economic situation, whether they can afford to buy right. a higher-end appliance. But the bigger stores like Lowe's carries, apparently. Oh, some that's of a good brands. point. Yeah, that's a good point. Lowe's and Home Depot, um, they're, they're starting to carry high-end brands, too. So apparently they're seeing um, some strengthening in demand for high-end appliances. So that's a good point. Let's move along to... Our appliance repair tip. All right. Brought to us by Mrs. Samurai. Well, I wanted to talk about this because even though I'm not the one that goes out and does service calls, Mr. Samurai here is the uh, <laughs> the expert on that. <laughs> but I've picked up a few things along the way. When I talk to someone who's calling in with complaints, there's a few things I can tell them when they give me specific symptoms that they can do themselves easily or check themselves and they're very appreciative when they can do a simple little fix. I hear, I hear feedback on that too. If I do end up, uh, if the call does end up getting scheduled, you know, you've dealt with them and, and worked with them and, and uh, guided them on certain obvious things to check and it still didn't do it and I go out there, they just express real appreciation for uh, that you at least made the attempt to, for them to avoid a, a service call. People, people seem to appreciate that. Uh, they do. And so for you people listening, and uh, there's a few simple things to check with um, some drier problems. If you have a couple of pretty common complaints, one is that your dryer takes a long time to dry. People say, oh, you know, I have to re run it through two or three cycles now to get clothes dry. Um, the almost universal cause for this there are a few, uh, you know, fixes I, I, that are needed. So is the venting system? Wait, wait. So you mean the dryer just doesn't get tired? Well, <laughs> people have, have interesting ideas about what's going on. They think, you know, it just is slowing down in its old age, but that's not exactly what happens. Um, well, it's funny because I, I, I'll have people actually tell me this. Um, just to relate one story, I had. Um, I was talking with one lady, and she had mentioned her dryer was taking a long time to dry, and used to take drying under an hour and then it was taking well over two hours and so she thought the dryer was it was it was about 15 years old it was time it was just tired so she went and bought a new dryer and put it in and do you think that uh, solved the problem no because she probably still had the same venting system exactly exactly the problem still remained brand new dryer problem still remained and um, so, Samara, why don't you just explain a bit about the importance of a venting system? Well, vents are, it's one of those things, it's the real unsung hero, but your dryer, for all practical purposes, is only as good as the vent. I mean, you can have a state-of-the-art moisture sensing and the, all the electronic beep beeps in the control panel, but if your vent is restricting the flow of air, you're not going to dry clothes. How do dryers work? Well, it's real simple. They, they heat up the air, and then they move a bunch of it. And that's pretty much all there is to a dryer. So uh, I see a lot of, there's a good article at the website on uh, dryer venting, but I, I hear this all the time. If your dryer is taking a long time to dry, but you feel it getting warm at all, then 99% of the time, it's a bad dryer vent. And a lot of times, the other thing I'll see people use is that white vinyl vent hose. That's a big no-no. And that will set, that will start a fire, real fire risk, uh, Lint will from the vent will get in the 
um, lint from the dryer will get into the vent, collect there, and then all it takes is a little little spark or something go something going not quite right, and igniting that lint, and then that white vinyl will will once it fires, it burns pretty vigorously. Right, and we've seen that happen. Um, people we know actually, and if. What can happen is mm -hmm. if you have something go wrong with the dryer where it doesn't shut off when it's supposed to and you're not around, you don't notice that it's going and going and going and Absolutely. the heat's building up and right. you have a dangerous situation. So anyway, the, the first obvious thing to check is just to make sure you don't have a big, when you have the slow drying situation, make sure you don't have a big glob of lint somewhere. And oftentimes people take a look and sure enough, they pull out this big wad of lint and then everything's peachy. That or sometimes it's not, there's more to venting a good dryer vent than just being free of lint. It's also got to be the real common thing too with just having the collapsible hose stuck onto the back of the dryer and then the dryer's pushed back in place, it crushes that hose. So the, the easiest thing to do, you got a slow drying dryer, pull the dryer out, take the hose right off the back of the dryer and run it that way. And if you get a more uh, normal drying time, then you've nailed the problem, it's the vent. Right. Okay, then there's another type of no drying condition. This is absolutely stone cold, no heat. Right. And I tell people to go check their circuit breakers because I have learned that there is, it's what, two, there's two circuit breakers. On an electric control. dryer. On right. a gas dryer, it just plugs into a regular 120 volt outlet. Electric dryer plugs into a 240 volt outlet. It's a big honking looking thing. It's different from the one you plug a lamp into. Um, so, so and on an electric dryer, yeah, you've got two legs. Right, so you could still be getting power to the, the motor. motor. <laughs> I'm such an expert. <laughs> but no heat. And so quite often they'll say, hold on a minute, run down, check their circuit breaker box, come back and go, oh my gosh, you're right, you're amazing. And they're so excited. That's, yeah, and that's a simple cure and problem solved. And the last thing about dryers is that because often I do talk to customers and they're kind of worried their appliance is getting a little old. Should they put money into a repair or should they go buy a new one? And with dryers, we can almost universally say it makes sense to do the repair. And why is that? Well, well, because simply, unless you're going from gas to electric, uh, gas dryer to electric dryer, or vice versa, it almost never makes sense to buy a new dryer because these are simple machines. I mean, you got a drum, a belt, a motor, a timer, a heating element. That's a dryer. And then a bunch of uh, really flimsy sheet metal with really sharp edges on it that's designed to cut your hands as soon as you open it up. And that's a dryer. And so why do you want to work on it? <laughs> so, somebody's got to. Somebody's got to. I keep to. having to buy boxes of Band-Aids yeah, for him when he goes on his dryer I jobs. Do. I, I, I'm a connoisseur of fine Band-Aids yes. and, and Neosporin. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's just not much to them and the technology of dryers, it's not like they evolve over time. We're like refrigerators. The, uh, they, there's an example where technology has definitely evolved. Um, washing machines, refrigerators, the current draw on these things have cu has been cut by more than half. So you've got uh, much lower, much more energy efficient refrigerators out there. Washing machines, same thing. Uh, you've got the new front loaders out there that use much less water, much less electricity. Not so with dryers. Dryers are the same yesterday, today, and always. So they really haven't gotten more energy efficient? No, appreciably no there, and there's really not much you can do right uh, you know you can you can play with the controls and things cycle the, the heating element on and off a little faster or maybe that kind of thing but there's really not much going on to, with them there's not much room for improvement well, it's hard to speed up the drying process it just takes that's what right it, takes. it just takes temperature and air and that's what you got okay let's move on to the listener email portion of our show Will Wait, you hear your name? It could be you next, but let's see. No, it's going to be Rob next. 
So, um, Cheryl, it wasn't you this time, but next time. Just keep hope alive. John, you're next time. But right now, it's Rob's time. All right. So Rob, from down south, is redoing a kitchen. Hey, Rob. How you doing? Say hi to Jess for me. And he is doing research, trying to make decisions on appliances. Um, he's looking at a Kenmore range that is made by Frigidaire. He is having trouble finding a microwave that fits his framing, the, the width he needs. He needs a 36-inch unit, mm. and so far he's only found a GE. Mm. And he said, for the dishwasher, I was leaning towards Bosch at first, but I've heard too many people say no. Mm. Just say no. I think after listening to the podcasts, somebody is listening, honey. That we have a listener. <laughs> I'm leaning towards Whirlpool <laughs> for the dishwasher. For the refrigerator, I think I'll go with the Frigidaire or Whirlpool. What does the Samurai think about these? Hmm. Well, let me let me see this. I'll take them one at a time. <clears throat> okay, so he the Kenmore... Okay, first a word about Kenmore appliances in general. First of all, and, and as hopefully as you know, um, there is no Kenmore factory in Malaysia or anywhere else. Kenmore is Sears' private label, and, and the Kenmore factory, if you want to think of it that way, is a floor in the Sears Tower in Chicago where they have corporate bureaucrats beating up the manufacturers to make appliances for them and put their label on them, and they make them for them at a good price. Part of that deal is that Kenmore also takes over the warranty responsibility and liability for the product, which means you buy Kenmore appliance. It could be made by Whirlpool, Frigidaire, whoever. It might be a nice appliance, real happy with it, but something goes wrong with it during warranty period. You can't call you, just any warranty servicer, um, Whirlpool or Frigidaire, whatever, authorized servicer. Uh, you can only call Sears. So your choices are limited to Sears um, service. This may or may not be an issue in your area. And I don't know if you've ever uh, had, the, uh, had the opportunity to, or the need to call Sears for, for appliance repair service, but what I've heard is that it's a pretty Byzantine process. You're going to call an 800 number, it's a call center somewhere else, and they're going to schedule your call for, you know, in a week or two weeks, or depending on what the availability is where you live, and they've got some weird pricing schedule. Um, although for warranty, that won't be an issue. Yeah. But Well, in general, what we've found is that people buy appliances, they never ask or think about the service end of things. Or That's a great point. And... I mean, it's fine to ask your friends and neighbors if they have newer appliances. Oh, how is it working? Do you like it? That's right. fine. But you also need to ask, has it needed service? Is there somebody in the area that does warranty work? Particularly if you don't live in a metro area. Right. If you live in a rural area like we do, we live in a, in a pretty rural area here in New Hampshire. And it's not even as rural as some. But in this area, service is kind of limited. And I hear from people it takes... Uh, you know, two, three weeks sometimes to get Sears out here. I can get out a lot faster. Um, but you, you hear about this, and this is something that people don't really give a lot of thought to, is, uh, number one, are there a number of servicers right around my area who can work on this? You buy some exotic brand, for example, and but no servicers know how to work on it. Well, you're going to be stuck next time you need a repair unless you're willing to learn and get the information and do it yourself, which right. is the whole purpose for our website, fixitnow.com. Empower the people. That's it. That's what it's all about because I think that's the next big mega trend in appliance repair. It's moving away from appliance repair as a viable trade, and it's moving towards do-it-yourself. Right. And I'm, uh, I'm on the bleeding edge Ooh. of that. Yeah. Thus the Band-Aids. Yeah. Ooh! 
Oh, there it went again. So, All right, so back to Frigidaire made Kenmore range. The Frigidaire, Frigidaire's not bad. Um, biggest thing about Frigidaire, and we used to, say, we used to joke that um, Frigidaires were designed by engineers who hate technicians because they always seemed like they always required a third arm growing out the middle of your chest to be able to work on them. But, uh, but they're, they're getting better. They are getting better, and they are making a lot more um, service information available at their website. Um, so I don't, I don't look at, I don't have like a negative view of Frigidaire. In fact, our washer is made by Frigidaire, mm -hmm. a front load washer, and it's lasted great for seven years now. I mean, it yeah. just needed one little repair. And um, that was more a user yeah. fault, me slamming right. the door. Right, and it just broke off the catch. But, um, and other Frigidaire appliances I've worked on, now they can, Frigidaire kind of runs the, the gamut. They can make some really low-end stuff. Um, in fact, a lot of the stuff they make is... You know, with uh, budget in mind and so you're not going to find a lot of the really higher end quality stuff as Frigidaire but that's that's not bad you can you can as long as, as, long as it fits your budget it's and not a bad choice if you're a do-it-yourself or you definitely don't want to invest in the higher end appliances thick workhorse appliance it's easy to work on and the biggest criteria if I weren't in the appliance repair trade and I were just a do-it-yourselfer the biggest thing I would look for would be ease of access to service information. Mm. I yeah. think people should listen to our second episode of our podcast. We talked a lot about that, in fact. And Whirlpool and Frigidaire, both. Frigidaire's doing a pretty good job uh, trying to catch up with Whirlpool. But Whirlpool definitely is the leader in this regard. They have, they have uh, made tons of free service repair help available for all their appliances at their service website, which is servicematters.com. But, of course, as long as people have fixitnow.com. What else do you need? That's Nothing. the ultimate uh, do-it-yourself repair resource. All right. All right, so moving on to the microwave oven. He's, um, he's got a problem with size here. And this is a problem. Uh, when, you, when you have a certain size in your cabinetry and you're trying to fit an appliance to, this is always a sticky situation because you're trying to, you're, it's limiting your choices. And in this case, his choice is limited to a GE. Um, GE has had a horrendous problem with with their microwaves in the past. Not surprisingly, you know, just given all the other news we've talked about with GE. Do they with, blow up yet? No, nothing blowing up, but they'll just stop working. The magnetrons, they had a, this rash of defective magnetrons, and uh, it, they would, the microwave would act like it was working, the timer would count down, but no heat. And there was thousands of them out there doing this, and they're all about five years old. Who knows what the next big problem is going to be with GE? But you know it's going to we be don't something, want to know. right? You know it's going to be something. So my and for microwaves in general, microwave ovens in general, my rule of thumb is buy cheap. It's not something you want to put a lot of money into, because if it gets into an expensive repair, throw it out and buy a new one. Okay, now maybe that's that's sacrilegious. You hear an appliance repair guy saying that, but unfortunately, you got to be guided by economics, and that's just where we're at. Oh yeah. There's, there's, it's too hard to repair them for an economical, for the, for the, in an economical right, way. Right, for what it takes. If you're talking about a, a built-in microwave, it's going to have to come down, and that's going to take either one burly guy or two normal guys to pull it down from there without uh, busting their backs right. to be able to pull the shroud off and do things like change the magnetron. The thing's got to be torn apart to get to it. Um, not, not one of my favorite appliances to work on. One thing you might consider is you've got that little cubby space there. Just get a countertop microwave and slide it in. If if it's got a bottom, if the if the bottom of that space um, has a has a 
floor, I guess you'd call it. Right, rather than uh, what some of the microwaves have, like ventilation underneath. Right, some of them have been, to be and, above the range. Right, and so it'll just be this notch that's cut in the cabinetry <laughs> with with an with an open bottom, so that the vent and the light and everything can stick through. Um, if you can get away, if you can live without that stuff, then just get a microwave that goes in the in the uh, in that cubby there and sits there, and you know buy them at Walmart for eighty bucks, and when it breaks throw it out and get a new one you'll be happier unfortunately that's just the economics of microwaves and yeah. not not one of my uh, not something I would put a lot of money into for the dishwasher I agree with you on the Bosch um, Bosch's are they're they're finicky they're you get a good one they can work great but um, for the money that you pay and for the problems that you get they're there, I, I think you can do a lot better, and the way I, w I would steer you towards a KitchenAid. Now, here's the sad reality in with dishwashers today: there are no good dishwashers. No, they all suck, and that's just the sad fact of life with dishwashers. Um, and, and although I'm directing you towards the KitchenAid, the reason for that is that the motor pump assembly is guaranteed for five years, and I have seen and KitchenAid. By the way, is a Whirlpool brand, but it's their upline. But and I have seen and you're dealing with a different group within Whirlpool for warranty issues and I have seen them deal excellently with people. For example, I had a, a customer out in Andover, and with a KitchenAid dish, dishwasher and the motor pump assembly went bad on it. Um, she called KitchenAid. Uh, they overnighted her uh, the mo new motor pump assembly. This this dishwasher was like three years old. They overnighted her the new new motor pump assembly which the part was covered by, by warranty and that's almost a $200 part hmm. um, yeah so it's significant savings yeah. so all she had to pay for she still had to pay for my labor to put it in you know my, my fee because that's not covered by warranty but the part is and which you know it was still she made out made out very well right and, a huge chunk of the right. total repair and had it covered. fixed and she's yeah. got basically a new dishwasher now but this is this is typical I see I see KitchenAid I've seen this more than once I've seen KitchenAid deal excellently with people and um, as far as Bosch goes, you're going to find the other difference too between KitchenAid and Bosch. Less service tech information available out there on the Bosch's, although I have access to them all. I've got all the service manuals for them, but not every tech does. So you've got you to assess where you live. Every tech, including you, you can be a non-tech, can have service, access to service information on KitchenAid and Whirlpools. So that's another reason I would uh, steer you towards the uh, Whirlpool products and away from the Bosch products. Right. All right, finally, uh, Rob was asking about the on the refrigerator, go with Frigidaire or Whirlpool. Mm -hmm. Definitely, there's, I mean, there's no question on this one, Whirlpool. Yeah. Reason is, Frigidaire is uh, taken to using very shoddy compressors. I mean, they're just after, a, I mean, some of them going out in less than a year, uh, you get a few months out of them. Uh, you go to the forum, talk to talk to some of the uh, master appliantologists at the forum, and they've got lots of stories about how these refrigerators, uh, the compressors and these Frigidaire refrigerators are just failing left and right. Very cheesy little compressors in there. You'd, you would not be a happy camper with that. So, again, the Whirlpool is the uh, refrigerator for you, Rob. All right. Well, thanks, Rob. And I'm sure we'll talk more brand recommendations in the further podcasts. Now we move on to an email from Gay Paris. Mmm, wee oui, wee. Oui. Actually, an American, Pamela, who's living in Paris and had an interesting experience. Hi, Pamela. Hello. With uh, customer service or non-service, as we say. Customer disservice. 
So she says, customer service is a non-existent concept over here in France. My new Liebherr, is that how you say that? Do you know? Liebherr? Liebherr. It looks like Ooh, a... Oh, Liebherr. It looks German <laughs> to me. She calls it the BMW of fridge brands over here. Does that mean it's in the shop all the time? Uh, you know, or, or has horrendous electrical problems, which BMWs yeah. are famous for. Anyway, her new Liebherr uh, refrigerator arrived Wednesday. They said to leave it still for a day before turning it on, so she did. So on Thursday, she turned it on. By Friday morning, the lights were on, but there was no chill at home. No ice, no dice. Ooh, she refrigerator down. So, you know, you need, a, you need someone out there toxin soon to get that thing fixed. Yeah, that's a hard one to live without for long. Yeah. So I called Liebherr over and over and over, and many interesting conversations later. In my perfect but accented French, I still don't have an appointment confirmed with the technician, and today is Monday. They're proposing to come by Wednesday, but what's left of my food that didn't rot is all on the windowsills well, in the winter cold. You know, oh, come on now. Why do they need to bother getting out there that soon? I mean, if they don't go out and do the job and take care of their customers, they'll just go on the socialist dole. I mean, it's France. It's, it's socialist Europe. They don't have to work hard because the government will take care of them. This is what you're dealing with there. Uh, apparently so. And uh, I don't know. We've heard, we have heard some similar stories with dealing with certain service companies over yeah, here. Yes, certain so. service companies. Uh, what, what are their names? Starting with an S, maybe? Oh, yeah, but I don't know. We shouldn't name yeah, names, I suppose. Yeah, but... Yeah. Um, Anyway, things apparently are not any better, perhaps worse in France, but as you said, that's not really a surprise. The more no. socialist a country gets, the worse their service gets. And the reason, yeah, and the reason for that is because people don't feel like their feet are held to the fire. I mean, it's not sink or swim for them. They think, ah, you know, I'll try it, I'll try it, maybe do a little business. They're so overtaxed anyway, they've got, and if they make more money, the government just takes more. So what's their incentive to work hard? Well, this is what you're going to get. And if you want socialized uh, uh, services and a, co a socialist economy here in the U.S., that's what you're going to get, really crappy service. That's right. No so. incentive to work hard, and the, the um, consequences of failure are not what they need to be. Consequences of failure need to be, you know, bankruptcy or, you know, something really bad. Well, that doesn't happen in socialist Europe. Well, Pamela, we hope that uh, since spring is coming on and your windowsills aren't going to be very cold to keep your food cold anymore, that maybe that Liebherr is uh, Liebherr. up and running by now. And, you know, maybe that's what you get for buying an appliance with I that name. I thought was, that was an interesting story about uh, French disservice. Yep. Now we have one last email to do today. And I'm not sure what to make of this from Hank. Oh. He addresses it, Dear Raving Nutcase. Oh, he must be talking about you. Well, I, know he's not I talking didn't about think me. I raved all that much. <laughs> I think we're almost at the end here, can you tell? Um, my wife and I have a Maytag washer that we run four or five times a day for ourselves and our six children. Six children. Wow. We live on a farm, pay too much for county water, and don't like things that break down and can't be fixed. Oh, that good farmer work ethic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hear him. The Maytag is getting pretty wobbly, as in a thunka, thunka, thunka. You know, we like it when people can spell their oh, sounds. The thunka. I love thunka. So we were thinking front loader. Last night we Googled to your site, laughed ourselves silly. We always love to hear that. Yes. Silly and laughter. <laughs> <laughs> we hear that a lot in this house, actually. And decided that, one, we do not want an ASCO. Oh, no. And that's a very important point that's to make. That's what we all, that's our motto with ASCO. Oh, no. 
and two, we gotta have a Staber. And a, a lot of you probably haven't heard of Staber washers. We'll get onto that in just a moment. Um, and then he he asks if we have any brand or I'm sorry, model recommendations for the Stabers. And then he goes on to make a personal comment about your appearance that maybe we'll skip here. Ah, yes. Well, that's the, that's the thing that concerns me is how does he know about oh, my appearance? There is. If you spend a little time digging around at FixItNow.com, you'll be amazed at you'll, what you find there. You'll come across some pictures that, well, quite frankly, you wish you hadn't. You might not sleep really well that night. They're not pictures you want to send your mother, okay? Let's just put it that way. Leave it at that. Anyway. Okay. The Staber, honey. What Staber? Yes. Oh, excellent, excellent washing machine. Um, Staber is one of those. It's it's a horizontal axis washer, meaning that the axis is horizontal and the drum, oh. yeah, as opposed to vertical, which most people are used to on the top loading washers. And notice I'm not saying top loader or front loader because the Staber is interesting in that it is a horizontal axis washer that loads from the top. Wow. It is the only one out there that I know of that does that. All the other front loaders, like the Frigidaire and the Whirlpool Duet and the Kenmore HE3T, those all load from the front. Right, um, and they have the little window you can look through right. and see them tumbling. Exactly, but and those are horizontal axis washer. Well, the Staber is also a horizontal axis washer, but it loads from the top. So, so it has an access. Right, it's got an access port, and it's very convenient to load that way. A lot of people don't like front loaders because you have to get down on the ground and, and load it up that way. Oh. If you've got a bad back, that's an issue. Hard, yeah, the um, older you get, right. you get down on the floor, it's hard to get back Absolutely. up. Absolutely, but the, uh, the Staber um, is, is different in that respect, um, so that's one unique feature about it. The other thing I really like about the Staber is that all of the service information, complete, detailed, technical service manuals are available for free right from Staber itself. Um, and parts, if you ever, ever need any repair parts, you get those right from Staber. There's no middleman markup, so parts are very reasonably priced. Um, so they're designed for people to work on them. Yeah, the, I mean, they're, that's, that's the point I was going to make. That's exactly right. So that's, you don't get the sense that they're, they're, you know, a lot of people think that appliances are being designed for failure, so you have right. to buy new ones or right. pay for their service. Staber actually is saying we've built a machine that you can work on, and we'll we'll support you in that. Right. It's built. It's built to be. It's totally serviced from the front. Front panel comes off, and you have access to every all of the mechanical working guts in the washers right there. You don't have to pull it out or do anything to work on it. Um, and it's it's a nicely designed and laid out machine. It's in fact it's it's aimed at like all the alternative energy folks, which these people typically live off the grid, so it uses very little electricity. It's also like any front uh, any um, horizontal axis washer. <laughs> Uses yeah, I almost slipped there. We need a shorter name for that. Yes, like any horizontal axis washer, though, it uses much less wa uh, water than your top-loading vertical axis washer uh, mm -hmm. washing machines. The, the the breakout is like 14 gallons per complete wash cycle in the Staber or any other horizontal, versus about 56, 47 to 56 gallons in a top loader. Um, and your your typical top loader, so right. it's a huge savings. Well, in water. particularly when you've got a family of eight, right. <laughs> doing four or five loads a day. Exactly, wow. good point. So you're going to save a ton of water. So and which is also it's going to help you in your water usage and also in your sewer if you're on septic tank. And a lot of these people who get that are on septic tank. So you're going to be, um, you know, putting a lot less in your septic tank and saving money there. Right. Well, one way or the other, detergent. it costs money to use water. It does. It does. And it also uses less electricity, like uh, like any of the horizontal right. axis washers. And it's easier on your clothes. They're not getting, um, you know, abraded. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's really no... The, the difference between the, the top load vertical axis washers and the, and the horizontal axis washer, uh, 
I, I, there's no no comparison. The horizontal axis washer is a superior machine in just about any category you can think of. Right now, where except for price, they are more expensive. Right. Um, you're, but you're getting you are getting better technology. Absolutely, you make up for it in the long run. Yeah, you do. Um, there's, a there ways. is a payback. Now, people can get more information on the Staber they can, somewhere. They where can, is that? Where is that? Um, uh, wait, wait. It's www fixitnow.com that's right. it fixitnow.com so you go to go to um, www.fixitnow.com and uh, if you just scroll down a little bit just below the uh, orange box that uh, highlights the prominent links to the site you'll see a little search box and just plug Staber in there and you'll pull up several articles that I've written on the Staber washer with uh, guidance and um, and even purchasing information even purchasing information very good yes so. All right. Well, thanks, Hank, and good luck with all those kids. All right. Well, that wraps up another journey into appliance repair podcasting oh, excellence. And what a journey that it was. was. Man, well, I can't believe we're back already. But so, yeah, we're going to have a great slideshow of this one. Excellent. Excellent slideshow. Be sure to come to the website and look for the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so, but thank you for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks. We really appreciate you downloading and listening to this podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on the show, or how we can improve it, make it better, please email us. Let us know. Our email is podcast at fixitnow.com and we'd love to hear from you so until next time this is samurai appliance repairman and mrs samurai wishing you happy fixing and sayonara sayonara